0: friends this is pastor bill clark welcome to the podcast hello friends are the first two words i begin each message that i get the privilege to share each sunday i get to tell my friends about the greatest friend jesus christ i also consider friends to be one of the greatest gifts a person can have in this earthly life most of the episodes will be messages i share each sunday but from time to time i'll invite a friend to share some of their life with us over a beverage I pray these episodes bless you and help you on this journey of life. God's blessings to you, friend. This is a message I shared at Timothy Lutheran Church on Sunday, January 28th, 2024. We're looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Hello, friends. Hello. Every once in a while, we like a challenge, don't we? Like when you read something, you quite don't understand it. So it causes you to dig into it a little deeper to try to figure out what it says. That was for me today with Paul, right? That's the way I feel when I read our epistle reading. Paul starts out today, chapter 8. Concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. I picked up three things from that first sentence. Food, knowledge, love. Food, Knowledge, love, and the first thing that popped into my head, (laughs) Chick-fil-A. Now, it's a well-known fact that I love Chick-fil-A, and I need to share that knowledge with you. The original chicken sandwich, extra pickles, is my absolute favorite. In fact, I will confess to you that before I accepted your call, I look to see how far the nearest Chick-fil-A was to Timothy Lutheran Church. It's also a family joke that when we take a road trip anywhere, especially when we go to Nashville, go down south, it's an 11-hour trip one way. The only place that we can stop to eat is Chick-fil-A. There's no other place that we can stop. Now, some call it the Lord's Chicken because, well, it's, it's delicious. And if you haven't had it, you are definitely missing out. But I have a feeling that Paul's not telling the church in Corinth today to eat more Chick-fil-A, is he? So let's set the picture. What's the relevant background? Why is he even answering this question? Why are we talking about this? Well, sometime after leaving Corinth, Paul gets a letter from the members of the house churches with some important questions. And yet Paul doesn't even begin to address them until chapter 7 of his letter. You see, Paul asks, several questions from them. He answers questions about sex and marriage in chapter 7. He answers questions about worship practices and the Lord's Supper etiquette that refers to the Lord's Supper in chapter 11. Spiritual gifts in chapter 12. Why doesn't Paul answer the Corinthians' questions until chapter 7 of his first letter to the church in Corinth? Now, it's not because the issues were unimportant, but because they are not as important as the, fundament, the fundamental things Paul wants the Corinthians to know. Look at the first part of his letter from the, to the Corinthians. He wrote things like this, Jesus Christ and Him crucified. For all sinners. He wrote that in chapter 2. He talked about all rivalries are ridiculous. Is Christ divided? He talked about baptism into Christ in chapter 1. He wants us all be on the same page. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he wrote, Do you not know that you, all of you, are God's temple? Paul's making the point that every attempt by any person to forge an identity over and against another person is downright foolish. It's wrong. In fact, it's not too much to say that had the Corinthians' hearts better grasped what Paul's words had taught them, these questions wouldn't matter, would they? When their questions came up, they wouldn't have caused any issues. Just because this is a church started by Paul, doesn't make it any difference than any other church in the world, does it? No perfect people, and there are no perfect churches. Many times in Jesus' ministry, he would often bypass a specific question asked of him, and instead he would address the heart. Address the heart of those asking the question seeking to understand the people. In this epistle, Paul redirects those who appear to be concerned with food offered to idols. But in reality, they're much more concerned with asserting their rights. Paul wrote today in our reading, but take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. He then redirects their concerns to their brother. He writes in verse 12, thus sinning against your brother and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. You see, this text can pull us in and we can start to pick apart verse by verse and seek its meaning and try to figure out what Paul is trying to teach the church in Corinth and what he's trying to teach us as a church today. Now, if we do that, we're going to miss out on the big picture of what Paul is trying to teach us. It's really turning my eyes from me for myself to Jesus. That's what Paul wants us to do. One might imagine Paul saying this about chapter 8. If all that about Christ crucified I started with in this letter has sunk in, then they'll have figured out how to handle the idle food thing already. But just in case, I'm going to answer their questions. So let's go back to the beginning of chapter 8 and see if we can grasp to understand Paul's answer back to the Corinthians. He began chapter 8, Concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. So this food thing. food Concerning food offered to idols. What's he talking about? What's the question of the Corinthians? Because it's doubtful that many of you would come today wondering if it would be okay to go someplace else to eat today other than Chick-fil-A because, well, they're close, right? But where you ate was a concern for the Corinthians. It was a big concern. You see, for the first century Corinthians, there were restaurants, if you will, associated with many of the pagan temples in Corinth. And they would take the meat that had been previously used for a pagan sacrifice and they would cook it and serve it at the restaurants and the people were eating it now some corinthian christians perhaps the more wealthy and the ones that were connected the ones who had the means to go to these places they also knew and believed that an idol has no real existence in what they're doing and they figured it well, it was no big deal taking part in these meals They may even convince themselves, that was good outreach, right? Be out where the people are. Or they thought it was their Christian duty to bring the weaker brethren into the know by publicly partaking in such places. But note, just as Paul waited half the book to get to addressing the matters about which the Corinthians wrote, even when starting concerning food offering to idols, his first words are about the destructiveness of knowledge without love. Paul's in effect saying, stop it. Stop it already with everything you know. You don't know anything until you are known by God. Paul speaks of those who say they possess knowledge and the one who imagines that he knows something. This pre- presents a very well distasteful picture of someone actively thinking how smart he is, right? Thank you, God, for not making me like the rest of those people, right? Everyone who professes to be a Christian should know they can't eat meat from the pagan sacrifices without consequences. Many times I'll get in conversations with people and I'll hear them say that they're not going to support a company because they support something that goes against what I believe is a Christian. Sometimes they even ask me my opinion. And if I support them, I tell them it's their choice. It really is. Or what company they want to support, what products they want to buy, it's their choice. But I also think if you dig deep enough into most companies and most businesses, you're probably going to find something that goes against what you believe. Maybe if I dig deep enough into Chick-fil-A, maybe I might find something that I don't agree with. But I'm not going to start beating their sandwiches, I can tell you that. So, what about the church and Christians today? No one these days is sending me emails during the week. No one's contacting the district president asking the questions about food offered to idols. So, not only were the Corinthian Christians concerned about eating food associated with idols. They were worried that if a new Christian eats meat from idols it might be seen as weak in conscience and it might cause those new Christians to fall away. We'll take that to today. What about the car you see in traffic that's got the NRA sticker right next to the fish, right? What about the otherwise harmless beer? but you put that in front of someone who is struggling with alcoholism. Are these things okay in themselves? Yes. In the same way eating idle food was. Can one love thy neighbor while doing such things? Yes. But there's a but, right? And yet it's also possible, perhaps especially given how emotional such things can be, that these associations and actions might lead some folks astray. Lead to disagreements and hurt feelings. Things like this have caused more problems inside the church and also inside of families. Because we get into things like this and we go immediately to knowledge and not to love. The point Paul is trying to make is this. It's not what goes into your body. It's not what businesses you support. It's not your opinion on the matter. It's being known by God. Because he said, knowledge without love puffs up, but love simply builds up. Words every church and every Christian needs to practice because there's some things that can cause quite a stir in the church and families. People are starting to lose focus in the church in Corinth and Paul is bringing them back. Not to the answer, but to the love of God the Father. This is the focus we need to be reminded of today. You ever heard the line, My right to swing my arm stops at the end of your nose? My right to swing my arm stops at the end of your nose. Now, I'm not sure who said it. We know it wasn't Paul. But for Paul and the Holy Spirit, my right to swing my arm, to eat at any place but Chick fil A, or put a bumper sticker on my car stops at wherever it is my brother is getting tripped up. Our sin is in thinking that we have to live by the same knowledge that I think is important. Not the rules and guidance that God says is important. Most of us live in a church family with brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters who are not necessarily the brothers and sisters we choose for ourselves. Brothers and sisters who we will admit they get under my skin. Right? Because they ought to know better by now. They were raised in the same house I was. God's house. They should know. But these are the same brothers and sisters for whom Christ died. Do we remember that when we question or talk about a fellow member and what they may or may not be doing in their lives? Then you have to ask yourself the question, do these things matter? Do they really matter? Umphaloskepsis. It's a long word. A little tricky to say. I kind of broke it up phonetically. Now, I'm not sure why I first saw it, but when I saw it, I had to look it up. Now, skepsis, it means the practice of gazing or looking at. Your umphalos, your umphalos is Greek, and it means belly button skepsis, the practice or looking or gazing at one's own belly button. Now, if you're engaging in umphaloskepsis, you're someone looking only to your own belly, your own needs, concerning first and foremost with me, myself, and I. It's a fancy word for navel-gazer. That's what it is. That's the heart of the matter for Paul today. In answering this question, he sees that it becomes that it comes from people more concerned with their only belly buttons and impressing people than they are about their brothers and sisters and rejoicing Jesus with them. The crucified and resurrected Jesus. Paul is telling us, quit navel-gazing. Look at the cross. Jesus Christ and Him crucified for you. Now, belly buttons are not the most attractive, are they? Innies and outies Lent gets stuck in there, right? Especially this time of the year. Maybe it was part of Adam and Eve's perfect creation that they didn't have one. Think about it. Adam and Eve did not need to have a belly button, did they? But we do, and for some reason or another, we get stuck looking at them. We get stuck on ourselves and our rights. Why? Because we are not perfect. We sin, and in our sin, we look more to ourselves than to others. Now, there's a cure for navel-gazing. There's a cure, and it gives you some, the cure is to give you something better to look at. The cure is to give you something to focus on that's beautiful. To give you something that's not just beautiful, but forgiving. Not just forgiving but forever. Not just, for, but, not just forever, but for you. This something is a someone. We all know His name. Jesus. Jesus, He's concerned about you. From all of eternity, He's been concerned about you. 2,000 years ago, He was concerned about living and dying and rising for you. And today, He was concerned about you so much that He made sure you woke up and got here on time. He gave you this beautiful weather to come to church today. There is a reason you are here this morning or listening online. This morning, Jesus wanted to be sure that He could forgive you, feed you, and send you home knowing that He is concerned about you. And that His concern will never stop. You are known by God. Paul writes some challenging words to the Corinthians and for us today. This verse really hit me. And so by your knowledge, this weak person is destroyed. The brother for whom Christ died. By your knowledge, this weak person is destroyed. Those last two words. Is destroyed. Because of what you said. Because of your knowledge, your brother was dragged back into paganism. His name removed from the book of life made a plaything of the devils. And this weak person, he's your brother. This is a challenge for us as Christians. I know way too many people who have shared stories of issues between family members, between congregation members, between congregation members, and pastors. This one's especially hard for pastors. People come to us all the time for answers. Answers to things that are going on in their lives. Very real things going on in their lives and they are seeking answers. And unfortunately, instead of focusing on the cross, pastors can focus on their own knowledge. And then start to think, well, what's going to be best for the church? If you've been on the hurtful end of a pastor's words, please know that pastors are most certainly human. We sin. And we too can look at our own navel instead of at the cross. Also know that I'm sorry if you've had those feelings and you've heard those words. In the end, what do we all want? We all want our friends and our families and our brothers and sisters in Christ to spend eternity with us. We want them to know the love of Jesus Christ. We want them to know And believe that Jesus died for their sins. At your funeral, I want to be able to stand up here and know without any uncertain terms that you have met your Savior face to face. But we lose focus. And sometimes when we lose focus, it causes people to leave the church and leave the faith. It happens. Heard way too many stories of it happening. The church in Corinth was not perfect, and no church is perfect. But through these challenging words today from Paul, we are reminded where we are to keep focused as Christians. Because God is not much concerned with our questions that come from our knowledge. What God is most concerned with today is to send you out from here so that you can, can't help but be laser-focused on all He has done for you. That all of our concerns, these idle food questions and the rest, they're not really all that interesting. You see, Jesus is more interesting than anything else. Paul reminds us to focus on Christ. I think Paul would call it Christo skepticism Christo skepticism Amen Thank you once again for listening to the podcast. If you have any questions about anything that we share in our messages, any questions on faith, any just general questions, get a hold of me. I'd love to have a conversation. Thank you again for listening. Have a great day. God bless.